Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the worship tonight and centering our hearts and aligning who we are to acknowledge you as above all things. We praise you. You are worthy of, of praise of our worship, everything that is in our life is as a result of your goodness. And so we, we kiss your hand tonight and thank you. And we have our hearts prepared now to receive your word. As we walk in the light of your word and the principles that you reveal through your word will be kept in a real powerful place, free from the controversy and confusion and chaos that we might abide in peace and enjoy and experience a life that's full in the expression you intended bless our time together and bless the word and let it not return void we pray in jesus name amen psalm 91 becomes the most powerful expression of the benefits of being under god's authority and a lot of people read it at night, but they're no nearer uh, God's presence and authority than before they began to read it. But there in verse 1, Psalm 91, verse 1, he talks about a secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will be like one who is under the shadow of the Almighty. So th this, this particular verse is talking about a place, is talking about an experience, and Above all things is, is God. He sits supreme above all things. And, and some people say, well, then why are there so many messed up things in the world? Well, um, that shadow was disrupted. That secret place became a place of, of chaos and confusion when one individual decided to come out from underneath God's covering and shelter and refuge and lift up his life above the shelter and refuge of the Lord. Isaiah 14, 12, it says there that the, the expression of Lucifer, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you're cut down to the ground and you who weaken nations, he says, particularly verse 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will put my throne, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the congregation, the farthest side of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like God. I'm going I'm 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 to take the place, uh, instead of being under authority, I will be the authority. I, I will be setting up the parameters. And verse 15 Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the lowest depth of the pit. Um, when we're not enjoying the, the covering of the Lord, when we're not enjoying, uh, Bill Gothard, uh, many years ago, I, was, I must have been 18, 19 years old, and he says the authority is like an umbrella that you open up. And as long as you're underneath the scope of the umbrella, you don't get wet. But if you come from out, from underneath the authority, if you come and, and you don't have a covering, you're exposed to the elements. And so you, 
you suffer what God did not intend you to suffer. Uh, going back to Psalm 91, in this secret place that is like the shadow of the Most High God, it's, a, it's a, where you can abide, it's a secret place. Uh, people want to find it. Verse 2, in that place, I can say of the Lord, He's my refuge. It's like being in a castle. It's a strong place. My God, uh, my confidence is as long as I am there, you can't, you can't experience what it is to be outside of a refuge, outside of a fortress. Um, I had the opportunity to share with an intern that worked at my law office, and he was like, well, why do you make such a big deal about believing in God and and you know, you're always, you know, what, what's the big deal? And I said, look, I'm going to be super honest with you. As I read the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelations, I see a bunch of people here talking about, God, please be my refuge. Please be my protection. Please be my strong place. I don't know why they were saying this. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't want to find out either. I don't want to be outside of God's covering. I don't want to be outside of his protection. I don't want to be exposed. The challenge for you is, is to go ahead and do that. And, and, and I guess we'll both learn why it's good to be under the shadow of the Most High. Why it's good to dwell in the secret place of the Lord. Why is it good to say to the Lord, I'm going to be there. It'll be like a refuge. It'll be like a castle. I can trust God in that place. Uh, verse 3, it continues to describe the benefits of being there. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. That begins to talk about there's someone, and, and Peter says it too, your adversary the devil is seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour somebody who's in the refuge. He cannot devour somebody who's... Um, overshadowed, abiding in the shadow of the Most High. But um, that place is a sure place of deliverance from the snare of the fowler. For those of you who don't know, the snare is a trap, and the fowler is he who catches birds. That's what that word means, fowler. He's, he's seeking those, that to, 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 he's hunting. Uh, David Wilkerson says, he hunts for the precious souls. Um, you guys know that when we went to war in the uh, Middle East with the desert, they had the different, uh, different officers of the army of Saddam Hussein. And if like, you were a really important officer and you commanded great leadership and you had a great capacity, you had the highest marks of what you were worth. So you were like an ace, or you were a jack, or you were a queen, um, and so you had value. Or you were number 10, or maybe you are number 1. Well, the devil's into trying to figure out your influence in the kingdom of God. And the greater your calling and influence, the higher you are on the rung of his list of people he's trying to, he's trying to snipe and trying to get rid of so they never become the, the great men and women of God. So there in that place, you're free from the snare of the fowler and you're free from the peril. That word is where peligro comes from. It's the Spanish word danger. You're free from the danger of pestilence. Um, pestilence is, again, that thing that, that takes place in the elements that are uncovered. 
verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers. Another illustration he gives, how many times did I call you to come under my covering and you would not? I, I think it's important that we, we see that in uh, the Gospels because he makes reference And we should see this because for, for, this, is, this is what the Lord is constantly doing. In Matthew 23, 37, um, Jesus is, is explaining this cover with feathers. And, and the concept is a chicken who is telling those under to come. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, you who separate yourselves from prophets. That's what the word killing. And you stone those who are sent to her. You, you're like, get away from me. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hen gathers chicks under your wings, but you were not willing. And God is faithful, and, and, and his, his faithfulness is so, so deliberate and intentional, calling us to come to a place of authority, of protection, of cover, of shelter. And we are not willing. So then verse 38, he says, the time will come. See, your house is left not covered, you, you, you've exposed yourself to, to an, a desolate desert. A desert uh, the desolate is desert where there's no covering out there. You're just exposed to the elements. Verse tw uh, 39, for I say to you, you shall see me no more until you, you, in your heart you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's a little snapshot there with regards to authority because those the Lord sends to your life are a covering. They're, 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 they're a watch. We'll, we'll get into that later. But he says, you're not going to be able to see my hand in your life until you acknowledge who those I've really sent over your life. We, we all want for God to be real, but we don't want to acknowledge the reality of those he sent. So he says, you're not going to even have evidence that I'm in your life again until you have the appreciation in your heart to bless those who come in the name of the Lord. The people that God has put in your life to serve in that capacity. Uh, an example are parents over their children. They're in authority. And God says, you know something? You're not going to see my blessing on your life until you start listening to your parents. That happened to me. You're not going to see the blessing that I have for you in your life until you start honoring your employer, the guy who I've put over you to prepare you for the coming prosperity. Uh, verse 40. So you shall not see him no more until the day uh, that you ex exchange in your hearts in that regards. Yeah. There is a verse there I wanted to touch upon. And I, I, it's, it's, it's a similar expression where he says that the effects see if I get this here. Mm 
Yeah. He's saying the same thing in Luke chapter 19. And if you go to Luke chapter 19, um, verse 41, the same, this is the same, uh, now in another gospel, the same time where he's looking at the city. He says, as he drew near to his people, to, he saw the city and began to cry. Jesus is looking at his people and he begins to cry and he says, if you had only, even you, especially on the day, the things that were make for your peace, but now you didn't see them, they're hidden from your eyes. If you could only acknowledge this framework that I have set up, but you couldn't see it. Verse 43, um, for the days will come when you will, when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, they begin to surround you. And close on you on every side. Verse 44. And level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You, didn't, you, you weren't able to be aware of my calling you to a place of protection like, like we saw in Matthew. Let's go back to Psalm 91. And uh, verse 4. He shall cover you. Talking about the secret place talking about the shadow of the Most High. It's a place of protection where the feathers are covering you under His wings. You shall take refuge. Um, his truth being held accountable to light, and, and that's usually what happens in the realm of authority, shall be your shield and your buckler, um, your, the thing you raise up to extinguish the enemies. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of terror by night. When at the worst of times, there's, there's, there's a peace, nor of the arrows that fly by day, nor of the pestilent that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at the noontime. Now, here's, here's the powerful thing about understanding authority and, and embracing it and, and learning it. Um, verse 7, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right side, but it shall not come near to you. There's a special, a special place there. And it don't, don't, it's not that you're lucky. It's not that, that you're better off than the second day, it, uh, than the second person. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see the consequence of those that are not understanding a secret place, a place of the most high, the shadow. You will see those that, that, that make light of this whole expression. Why? Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, the place that you abide in. Because you've made this decision. And it's a voluntary decision. Again, um, the example is, I'm outside, I open up an umbrella, I'm kept from the elements, you run under the umbrella. We're, we're kept. You see the umbrella up and you're out there getting wet. I, I don't realize, I, I don't understand, you know. There's a there's place for you. There's place protection and covering. He says, verse 10, he says, no evil shall befall you, nor no plague come near your dwelling. Why? Because in his assignment for authority, that's where his angels have been given their uh, their task, uh, verse 11, um, 
For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Verse 12, in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot with a stone. You shall tread upon lion and cobras. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. You'll be above those wicked spirits that have to honor that realm. Because that's, that's God's, God's realm. We're going to see this now. Uh, let's go see it right now. Job chapter 1 verse 9. You can see an example where the devil shows up to the life of this man and he's dying to get at him, but he says, I can't touch him. You've put a, you've put a, a wall of protection around him. Put that thing down so I could get to him. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does jo Job fear God for nothing? It, it, what you're, you know, it's not, it's not in vain that he's prospering. It's not because he's special. Uh, verse 10 have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? And you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He would like to, to have a place where the devil cannot touch your family, your possessions, cannot touch your life. And, 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 there's, and the devil's like, man, get, get him outside of that refuge. Get him outside of that shadow. Get him outside of, of, of the feathers. And you'll see I'll tear him up. But as long as we know, recognize, acknowledge, live, and pursue God's provision, uh, there, there is no devil in hell that could touch us. And uh, early on in my law career, it was really comical. And the Lord was teaching me some lessons. But I had received an inheritance from my father with regards to a building. To practice law. And so he gave me this building. He says, uh, you know, we purchased it for you. And I was driving down Burr Road and I run over an old man. I had a car accident. And in Miami, if you run someone over and you own something, say bye-bye. Because they take it from you. You get sued and they, they, they take your property because you owe it. For the damages created. Sure enough, within a couple of weeks, all my friends were calling me, all my lawyer friends, and saying, get the building out of your name. And I said, you don't understand. God, through my parents, gave me that building. He goes, listen, God gave you a brain too, so you're not stupid. Get it out of your name. Because you're going to lose it. Because you ran someone over. In, in Florida, there's um, comparative negligence is the law. And it doesn't matter if I was only 5% responsible for running that man over. So instead, if he got a $10 million lawsuit, I'd be 5% responsible. That would be my building. And so it, it was not legally advisable for me to stay with that, that building, which is... A rental property is not considered your home exemption. It's exposed to the law. Usually some people put corporations to protect their assets. But I kept on telling my friends, you guys don't understand. God gave me that building. And if God wants to take that building away, blessed be his name. But I feel that I'm... I'm so under the shadow of the Most High God that no one can touch a hair on my head. 
I'm, 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 I'm under his shadow. I'm in a place of protection. Um, and so this, sure enough, um, there was nothing. And, and they, the lawsuit came and they tried and they, they argued. And, and all of a sudden, the attorney that was representing the, the, the little old man and his wife, he says, look, there's no case here. There's nothing to do here. I can't, I can't move this case forward. I have to dismiss this case. And so you'll notice on the public records that I never changed because one, once you are under God's authority, don't move from there. That's a great place to be. That's, that's a powerful place to be monetarily, financially, uh, health-wise, in, in various many respects. He says, have you not made a place of protection? And so this is not what, what the, you know, the Chinese, poor Chinese, uh, they spent hundreds of years building the China Wall. And when they finished, all of a sudden an airplane flew over. They thought that the enemy could only come on the ground. And so a lot of people make a lot of provision for protection of their homes and they're doing everything, but they don't realize the enemy doesn't play games. And if there's anyone in all of God's creation that knows about authority, it's the devil. He's an expert. He was the prime guy who started the disruption that we have today. If there's any confusion that mankind has suffered, it has been because he followed the devil's advice and left God's protection. When he told Eve, you don't, you don't need to listen to God. You could be like him. Just go eat. Be your own authority. Make your own decisions. And that becomes a very scary place that many of us have taken the devil up on that proposition. These principles of authority are, are so deep and powerful and, and I've learned them um, I've learned them thanks to the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ when he says all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth and, and I give it to you and, and so he, he shows us what authority is and how it plays out but when you are under that shadow you experience peace, joy satisfaction, fulfillment you're not tempted to remove yourself from a place of steadfastness. What, what diminishes the God's authority is a principle called self-exaltation. We just heard the devil do that. I'm going to take my place out of here and I'm going to make my own place. Um, a German philosopher by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, his father was a pastor. They were Lutherans. And he, when, when you leave authority purposefully it's called rebellion when you say i'm, I'm not going to acknowledge who god is where he is what he's doing how he's doing it uh, and so rebellion takes place well this man did that Friedrich nietzsche a german philosopher he said like this he says why do humans have to be under so he says he wrote a book called the oberman the superman I don't need God's help. And, and so he, he wrote a whole premise of you don't have to follow any guidelines. Just do whatever you want. Now be careful, he says, because if you don't create another system of covering, you'll go mentally insane. And so he, he was teaching in all the universities in Europe. You don't need to have God as your cover. 
You could come out from under. He says, God is dead. It's, we don't need the church. We don't need God. We don't need his word. We don't need the church. We don't need the, the, the Bible. We don't need to be under that. And so he was teaching all over Europe, and he fell in love with a young girl who was younger than him. He must have been 25, and this young 16, 17-year-old girl who was really rebellious, she started following his teachings, and she loved the concept of the Superman, the, the man who had nobody controlling him, nobody telling him what to do, where to do it, how to do it. He was free to express himself. And so they were together for a whole summer, and by the end of the summer, he had fallen in love with her and was going to ask her to get married. Um, and so they went, him, his best friend, a young man, and that girl, and they went to spend the summer on the outskirts of Germany and uh, to travel through Europe. And that night, she, she had a relationship with his best friend. She fell in love with his best friend, and so he told her in the morning, you're my fiance, we're about to get married. And she told him, you told me there are no rules. You told me that there's no right, there's no wrong, we could do whatever we want. So why are you telling me that there's a right way to have a relationship? Again, when you decide to leave authority, now you're in a desert place, you're in a chaotic place, you're in a dark place, you have no direction, you have no value. And so this man uh, created the confusion. He's the one that removed God from the universities. Before that time, nobody would even dare uh, address that in that manner to talk about we don't need a shelter we don't need a refuge well he became insane the last 15 years of his life he died at 35 the last 15 years from 25 to 35 40 um, he he was in a mental insane asylum just going and people thought he was a brilliant mind would just come over and watch the chaotic mindset of a man who had gone insane Frederick Nietzsche you could look him up and see his biography but that's what the devil wants. He wants us, God's created beings, to leave the shelter, refuge, shadow, and cover of God. To remove yourself from this reality causes you to suffer anxiety, depression, unrighteousness. And Satan acknowledges that this covering and place of protection is a phenomenal place to be when he, we see that expression when he's talking to God about how he is taking care of Job in this place. A lot of times we want to use God's authority to tell the devil, Diablo, get out of my house. Get, get out of my kid's life. Get, get out of my health. And you're going around pretending that you have authority. That you have the claims to the kingdom's authority against the devil. But the devil looks at you and laughs. Because he knows that you don't respect God's established authority. He knows you, you, don't, you can't even tell. And so in Acts chapter 9, no, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not Acts 9. Uh, let me get it for you. It's Acts 13, I believe. You see these men coming up trying to use God's protection and authority. And the truth of the matter is that um, the devil says, you know something? We have, we have a checklist of those who have 
Acts 19.11. We'll go back to Acts 9 now. Acts 19.11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 12. Verse 12. It's frozen. There it goes. It freezes from time to time. That's fine. I'll get it. Verse 12 says like this, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched were taken to the sick and illnesses were cured and evil spirits left. Um, he, he could grab something that, that, that he says, okay, this, I'm, I'm going to transfer my authority and send it. And that thing was getting the demons to run and diseases. So even handkerchiefs uh, were, were being uh, contagiously uh, tampered with the authority of God. And they were brought uh, to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. Verse 13. Then some of an itinerant Jewish exorcist took it upon themselves. See, these guys were not being sent out. They didn't respect authority. They didn't have any framework they were working with. They, they were sent, um, they took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we command you, you're not to be here, get out. And we say it, we exercise you by the Jesus, king of kings, maximum authority, that Paul preaches. We're, I'm his cousin, brother, aunt, little, aunt, aunt. And, and the demons, <laughs> demons were like, wait a second, let me laugh a little bit here. Verse 14. They said like this, the, the, the devil said, also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. They were all doing this stuff. They were taking authority and trying to get demons to leave. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. The guy, the guy has power. And Paul, I know. But you're a clown. Who are you? Are you using the name of Jesus? And, and you're not real and you're not under the cover. And you're, listen, you're exposed. And you're so exposed, the Bible says in verse 16, that they chased these men. Then the men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, greater authority, and prevailed against them. So that they fled out of the house naked and all wounded, beat up. We don't want to be in that place. We don't want to be in a place where we're absent the power of God to, to be able to do what God has called us to do. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus firmly spoke to us saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is, this is the great, the great um, victory that the Lord has for us that, that he's finally in a place where everything is placed under his command. So I want to distribute the authority amongst my people, amongst my church. I'm not going to send a powerless church out there to confront the enemy. So all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. So therefore, go. Verse 19. 
Go and make disciples of all nations. Make sure they're baptized. Make sure they're, they're, they're forming the, the character of God's uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Make sure that they're on the team. Make sure they're training. Make sure they're, they're coming to the place. Give them this instruction. This is what we're doing tonight. We're not wasting time tonight. How many thank God we're not wasting time? We're, we're getting the goods. And God has given us and, and given our children. Our children are mighty. When, 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 when Christina was eight years old and we go to Nicaragua and we're riding horses down the beach. And, and she, I said, so Tina, how's your life going and what's going on? And we're doing father-daughter time on horses down the beach. Beautiful and I said, how's your life going? She says, Dad, you know something? When you go to sleep at night, the devil comes in my room and says that you and Dad are going to get divorced. And I was in shock. I was like, what, what a dirty rat. How is the devil coming in to mess with an eight-year-old little girl in her bedroom and put thoughts in her head to steal her peace? And I, I was choked up. I, did, I, I couldn't even say anything. I was about to start bawling because I couldn't believe that my little daughter is being attacked by the enemy and she must have noticed that I wasn't responding or anything she goes but I tell him get out in the name of Jesus devil get out of my room that's powerful you have an eight-year-old girl eight-year-old daughter who knows how to tell the devil get out of my life you 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 silly fool and so in this respect um all the spiritual attack was coming because all the students in her classroom all the parents were getting divorced. So she's like, they're falling like flies. So at night, the devil was saying, you're next. And she's like, get out of my room, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. She said that eight years old. And I said, yeah. <laughs> she has authority. She's standing on the word. She knows how to do spiritual battle. She doesn't have to believe the devil and walk in his foolishness. So all authority has been given, handed to us to be his followers and to go, look what it says, verse 20, instructing them, teaching them to observe these things that I've commanded. You could only receive a commandment if you're someone willing to take authority because a rebel is not going to receive a, a commandment. A rebel doesn't receive anything. And lo, I'll be with you. See how important it is? I'm going to be with you if you're under authority. If you're, if you're a rebel, that's not, that's not the, the bargain. And so people like Paul in Acts chapter 9 now, verse 5, where he was fighting God. He's coming up against the church. He's, he's persecuting the church. Ah, oh, you guys should be Jewish. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, he finds himself, and, and he, he, the Lord slams him on the ground, right? He falls to the ground. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And when you are coming against my authority, it's like kicking against the goads. Now, people don't understand this illustration. The goads is a very sharp stick that is put right here in the life of an ox. An ox is known as a servant animal. It serves, it plows the field. And the goad is here, and the goad tells the animal where to go. So the authorities are always telling us, where we could position ourselves. And he says, it's a hard thing if you're one of those guys that are constantly kicking the goad because the only person getting hurt is you. The code is sharp. It's not going to move. Why? Because God put it there. And these guys, like, like Michael Brown found out a couple of weeks ago, that you don't turn and charge a police officer. It's a hard thing to kick against a goad. 
You don't, you don't go against authority. If you're a young child and you tell your parents, I'll do what I want, it's a hard thing to kick against the goats. They're going to smack you to oblivion. Because you, you you're not to disrespect authority. Because there's huge consequences. So he's telling Paul this. And one of the powerful things that happens when you're confronted with authority, if you have a teachable spirit, is to answer like Jesus was telling Paul, why are you going against the grain? You're suffering. It's a hard thing to go against the shelter, the safe place, the refuge. Verse 6, and so he is broken now. After tonight, I hope that you guys are trembling and astonished and are able to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Lord, where do you want me to position myself? Because I do want to be in a place where I experience peace and joy and blessing. I don't want to continue challenging and, and, and undermining. So then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will to be told what you must do. Are you ready once you're under authority to be given your instructions? No, because I'm in authority and if anything's going to happen, it's my instruction. It's what I say. And so you're not God and you'll find out soon enough. But there, as he enters into the city, he's going to see a real frail, weak man. And a lot of us think... I don't have to listen to authority because I can overpower it. Some of you guys do that with your husbands. He, and, and you could do that, but it's not beneficial. And some of you are children who overpower your parents and say, they want this, but ah. And you just overpower them with your, you, you know how to do that. And then some of you overpower the church authority because you throw tantrums and ah. And, and I won't participate no more. But all these expressions you see here um, in verse 7, Acts 9, 7. He tells him, what do you want me to do? He says, arise and go, and it will be told you what you must do. Verse 7, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but not being able to see anything. I, I think that verse 7 is very important because when a lot of times, and I'm going to give you my my. My experience, because I want to find out what God has with my life, I'm always in contact with authority. I, if I fly to a nation, I won't go and preach at a church unless I talk to the maximum spiritual authority. When we went to Peru, they said, you got to talk to Pedro Ferreira. And so we're going there, we, we talked to Pedro and we says, look, we're here in Peru and this is what we're doing. He says, you know something? I like what you guys are doing and, and I want to be a part of it. So having the spiritual authority now in that country, the devil can't touch us. We, we can't get sick. It's the favor of God. And so in, in any realm, when you go to the authority and you stay within that realm, he says he journeyed with them. Um, you're not going to see anything physical, but you'll know that you're dealing with, with the maximum. Just like in a physical realm, there's policemen and teachers in a spiritual realm. There are men that have authority in those realms, and it's good that you not come and do your own thing. It's good that you talk to them. Uh, we went to a meeting here in the United States. The Lord allowed it. We met with the senior leaders of men's ministry of the Methodist denomination, Baptist denomination, Presbyterian denomination, Lutheran denomination, and um, Assemblies of God, too? No, that was Pentecostal. Did I say that already? Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran. Huh? I'm missing one. Anyways, you guys get the concept. They're like, you know something? What you guys doing in men's ministry in the States? Good stuff. And it's, it's not just an absent 
doing our own things type of deal. The, the talking with Kenny Luck. This man's been doing men's ministry for 25 years. It's good to sit down with him and to say, listen, this is my heart. This is my thoughts. This is what we're doing. You know, what is your advice? And, and that is a powerful alliance in the kingdom of God. So verse 8, Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank, had no clue what was going on. And now there was a certain disciple, guy with authority, at Damascus, not just anybody, named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias... He said, here I am, Lord. These guys, are, these guys are awesome. They're always connected. Lord, what do you want? How do you want it? Where do you want it? Um, so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire of a house. And there's one there named Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he's a, he is praying. And in a vision, he's seen the man, Ananias, coming and putting his hand on him so he might receive his sight. And so here is a frail, weak, small disciple. And Paul, because he understands authority, says, if I go and, and come into conformity with the provision, things are going to go well for me. And, and instantly, the Bible says, the scales removed from his eyes. And um, verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he rose and was baptized. I, I, I hope that you guys see in this that, that all of the provision of God is gonna come in relationship to your connecting. Connecting in, in different places, if, if it's an employment with your bosses. Those are some people that never prosper, never promoted, always getting kicked out, always losing their jobs because they don't respect the authority in their jobs. At the schools also. I was talking to a guy today. He says, I don't know why I never studied anything. I know. This is rebel. Never listened to his teachers. Never did the assignments. Never did the homework. So they never got the provision of the prosperity God had for him in his lifetime. On that day, when we get to heaven, Matthew 7, 21, many people will come out with all that they did for God. And they're going to try to say, look at the things I did, even though I didn't pay attention to authority or I didn't understand it too much. Look at all the things I did for you. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who actually does the will of my Father, the one who's actually in the place of listening to being sent. Uh, verse 22 um, for many will say to me on that day, Lord, we preached in your name. He didn't send them to preach. We cast out demons in your name. They weren't sent by God. We've done many wonders, many miracles in your name. Verse 23, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Another word for you who respect no authority. When I meet a person and they tell me they're a Christian, I say, who's your pastor? And they say, oh, I have to call my son because he knows his name. It's hard for me to know my pastor's name. And then I tell them, I'm going to call your pastor to see if you actually listen to him. 
Because if you don't, then you're walking in a spirit of lawlessness. You're a rebel. You don't have a pastor. You don't expect the promises of the kingdom. There'll be one called the Antichrist coming. The Bible says he's the son of lawlessness. He's going to reign the earth. Because have you guys noticed that on earth there's huge lack of authority? There's chaos and confusion, darkness filling the earth. Everybody's exposed to major loss in that atmosphere. There's going to become an antichrist after that kind. I was talking to a pastor that just flew up from Argentina. In fact, some of you that, that want to meet Pastor Adrian Jr., he'll be here tonight, uh, tomorrow night. So you guys get to meet him. I'm going to ask him to, to sing and to share a little bit. But he says, Joaquin, I've been pastoring for 30 years. And from time to time in our church, I get people that come and they're super like chaotic. They don't listen to nobody. They're doing their own thing. They're and so I, I call him into my office and he was telling me this yesterday. He says, I tell him, look, hermanito, you're a crazy man. You're all over the place. Go find a church like that for you. Go find a crazy church because you're, you're walking in craziness. You, you, don't, you don't regard order. And so um, that's, a, that's a fanciful way to get that done. Um, 1 Samuel 15, 22 um, the first king of Israel tried to do something other than what God was telling him. God says, you're going to go to this battle and you're going to destroy everyone. There's not going to be any animal alive, any people alive. You're going to burn all the possessions. I don't want you to keep anything. And he walked outside of that authority. And there Samuel said, has the Lord... Uh, Let's go to verse 21. But the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best things which should have been destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord, I, you have great ideas. You want to get a lot of activity going. You're doing amazing things, offering them to the Lord. But does he have a delight in that more than obeying his voice? And so he gives him the answer just in case he goes crazy. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. You're doing a lot of things that no one's telling you to do. And it's impressive, but I'm not in that. Verse 23. For rebellion, disregarding authority... Doing your own thing is as a sin of witchcraft, which makes you a witch. Stubbornness as iniquity. That word iniquity is lawlessness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, he has also rejected you from being a king, from participating in his kingdom. So it's, it's really, um, I really felt from the Lord to, to bring this word uh, I just wanted to scratch the surface. I believe I scratched more than the surface. That it is important that we take this into prayer and move in the direction. Romans 13.1 All the systems of the earth run according to the authorities established by God. Let every soul be subject to those authorities that God has placed to govern. For there is no authority 
At your house, God has a system of authority. At your school, God has a system of authority. At your church, God has an order. For there is no authority except the one God places. And the authorities that are existing are appointed by God. Um, I always wanted a different father. Because if I had a different father, I could ride motorcycles, I could play football, I could eat candy. I have a brain surgeon father, a father who cares for my neck. And he says, you're not playing football, you're not riding motorcycles. And I always wanted a different dad because I was walking in foolishness. But God gave me the best dad to form what I needed to fulfill the purpose God had intended. And so God is, is marvelous in that regards. And so I'm going to say, you have the best pastor in the world. You go brag on your pastor. What for? To form in you, not break your neck and not break your spiritual backbone and be a spineless jellyfish and a pathetic Christian like Kenny Luck says. So God has put authorities in our life to prepare us for what he is going to commission us to fulfill. And we would be wise with all the wisdom of God to love, to bless, to honor those authorities he's established, those secret places, those places where the devil uh, cannot, his assignment cannot attain to us if we uh, obey, if we submit. We hate that word, submit. When the centurions told Jesus, I'm a man under authority, Matthew 8, 10, a lot of people think that they're great in faith, they're great believers, they're great ministers, they have been wonderful. And he says, he says there, um, did we say the verse? Matthew 8, 10. Jesus was impressed by this man because he says, you know something, this guy's not playing games. When Jesus heard what this man was saying, he said, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. If we, can, if we could tap, if we could learn, if we could grow, if we're able to come to that place, um, God acknowledges. Let's invite the men who are going to serve the Lord's Supper tonight uh, to the front. I want you to ask God to give you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelations to determine who he's put as a spiritual, just like, like there's governing authorities, there's spiritual authorities um, that, that keep you, that instruct you, that provide, that care for you. Uh, God has put this in their hearts. It's not of, them, of their own uh, who admonish you. Hebrews 13, 7. A lot of people don't like, this is communism coming in, socialism. I don't want nobody over me. I'm my own man. Well, Jesus says, remember those who rule over you. Those people that have a place of authority. And then there are levels. Uh, there, there, there are, there are uh, um, when, when, when we are talking with G.F. Watkins. I, I want to make sure he's a man under authority because I don't want to submit to a man that's not under authority. And so Larry Stockstill uh, is, is his overseer. Uh, remember those who rule over you. And who are those people? The one who speaks the word of God to you, whose faith you can follow. Consider their life, what, what Kenny was saying. Verse 8. Take remembrance. No, I'm sorry, verse 18. Thirteen, seventeen first. 
Right, there it goes. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. They give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. The greatest moment, there's two great moments in my life. When somebody who has no covering comes in here and says, Pastor, I need, I need a place of refuge. And that, that's a place of joy. And then my second greatest expression of joy is seeing rebels that don't want covering that, that, that run out. Because it's really hard to try and cover somebody that doesn't want a covering. It's really hard to care about somebody who continues to kick against the goats. And so, so as they come, there's a house here. It's a powerful house. You, you see, it's, it's a miraculous place. People come divorced. They come here, and their marriages go back together. The families come back together. The sons honor their... Uh, I was talking about my nieces. I brag on my nieces all the time. And my nieces come here, and they're, they're in a, such an incredible place of peace for their lives. And they're preparing themselves for God to shoot out into the will of God, to do great things for God. But if they had not come to under authority, if they had not come to a place of refuge, a place of instruction, discipline, accountability, says they, they watch out for your souls because they must give an account to God. Let them do so with joy and not with sadness, with grief, for that would not be good for you. It would not be good. Um, I have to present not spoiled, damaged goods to God. I have to present... Uh, things that the devil ha cannot touch. Um, so pray about this in the coming days. I, ca I can't tell you how serious what we have shared tonight is. I cannot explain. And it's not just one moment. It's not one message. It's a lifetime of consequences that you're going to live out severe terror not because I wish evil upon you, but because it's real. It's real, real. And so as long as you're under God's covering and the place he's provided and you're honoring that and respecting that, uh, you're going to flourish. Father, thank you for your table tonight. Thank you for the bread and the wine. You've prepared and you said for us to partake of it until you return. The bread represents your body that was torn for us and the cup represents the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sin as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We thank you for the table of the Lord and we celebrate the victory that it brings that we can be part of the family of God and that we could honor God and honor one another and that we can live for your glory. And we give you thanks, Lord, that this table does not bring death and sickness and calamity, but strength, vigor, and life, health to those who participate in a manner which is worthy. So bless this table, Lord, as we participate as your family, as the body of Christ. And Father, we thank you for the victory that you wrought on the cross. We thank you for overcoming sin and death in your sacrifice and Lord our hearts are lifted up to be with you forevermore in Jesus name we pray amen and amen as the ushers pass it out the Bible says for us to not participate in a manner which is not worthy but tell God I want to walk right with you 
I want my relationship with God to be right and my relationship with one another to be right. Those are the two areas that the Lord's Supper uh, focuses upon because that makes for a powerful life upon the earth. And so that we celebrate the Lord's Supper one, the first week of every month and uh, it's a special time. cross I bow my knees where your love was set for me there's no greater pleasure than this you have opened come the grave your glory fills the highest place you didn't separate now I bow my knees what your love has shed for me there's no greater love than this you have opened up the grave your glory fills the highest place they can separate me now the cross I bow my knees where your love is shed for me where's no greater love than this you have overcome the grave your glory fills the highest place what can separate me now Avail you made a way when your say it, it is 
throws the veil, you made a way when you said that it is done. Your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. You have overcome the grave. Fills the highest place. There can separate me now. For I received from the Lord. Paul writes in the Corinthians, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new cup, covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have fallen asleep. For if you would judge yourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another but if, you, if one is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. The rest I will set in order when I come. Father, thank you for the bread tonight. We know, O oh God, that this represents your body that was broken, that suffered on the cross. The payment for our iniquity. The payment for our sin. We participate now because we believe that your body being broken was the provision of us being united with the body of Christ. Help us to honor the body of Christ. Help us to honor our brothers and sisters in Christ and to bless them. In Jesus' name we pray, you may partake of the bread. In the same way, the cup represents the blood that was shed on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says that it's through the blood that we have entrance into the presence of God, where we can seek help, where we can seek grace and mercy before His throne. And so, Father, we confess our sins tonight, and we ask You to forgive us our attitudes, things we have said and done that have not honored You, things that are not right. And we trust that the blood on the cross was the sure payment of our sins. And so we drink this cup remembering 
what you did on the cross. And we receive our healing tonight. We receive our forgiveness. We receive our mercy and our grace to be strong and alive and well in Christ. We ask you to bless this cup and thank you in Jesus' name as we partake. And you may partake of the cup. We usually stand right after the Lord's Supper and we begin to say thank you God because it's huge provision that God has given us in Christ. And just stand and raise a hand up to heaven and say thank you Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. Thank you for the sacrifice of the Lamb that heals and causes us to receive salvation from God. We bless you tonight, oh God. We pray, Father God, that your presence would be in our lives, in our families. That your word would be a constant reality, advising us of your kingdom and its truth. We give you thanks, oh God, for what you've done here tonight. As you have healed the heart of the brokenhearted, Lord. You have forgiven the waywardness of the sinner, oh God. You have restored the relationship of those that were walking in rebellion, oh God. Help us discern and to live under your shadow in that secret place, in that refuge, oh God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. The house of God says amen. amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. The fellowship hall is open for snacks and food tonight. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.